What's that meme again for the NBA? Like the NBA has been unnecessarily dramatic for zero days. I feel like that that should be used for the Eagles. Like the Eagles are just unnecessarily dramatic all the time. Not one day goes by that the Eagles, anything surrounding that organization, the fan base, like they can't go one day without just being normal. Not just doing things the simple way. Instead, it always has to be so dramatic. And, well, I think that trade today was a little dramatic. So I think we can count today as that. And uh, on the line change right now, Fox Sports the Gambler presented by Cure Auto Insurance. We're going to go over that trade with our guy, uh, Tony Jigsaw-Catillo, who uh, talks all things Philadelphia sports and fantasy sports as well. So I would definitely want to talk some fantasy stuff with him, especially some fantasy baseball that we'll talk about. But joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. It is Tony Jigsaw Cotillo. Uh, Tony, what is more dramatic? Because I, I know you have a daughter, a, a teenage daughter or the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, <laughs> listen, listen, that's not a fair question. I will say it. I'm not afraid to say this. I, I I actually have my daughter's my trophy, man. So she she is she is perfect to me. So I'm going to say absolutely a hundred a hundred times over. The <laughs> that's good. All right, well, that's a good thing. Uh, that's yeah. good. Um, I, I know my parents probably tell me uh, that I was really dramatic for a 13 year old. So <laughs> well, that's a little different. If we're talking about me, it's a little. You know, yeah. Jigsaw Day came out for a reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's Jeez. drama every day in Jigsaw. Oh, oh, exactly. There always is, baby. Um, yeah, the Eagles made that trade, and I, you know, the the first thing that came to my mind was unnecessary. Uh, but what was the the first thing that came to your head? You know, they make the trade, everything comes out about what they traded, and you know where they're going to be picking in the the first round. What what immediately kind of came to your head? Uh, the the word expected, and I I hate to be the guy. I know Sean hates when I'm that guy, but I told everybody this was going to happen. Now again. Three weeks ago, I said they were trading back, and and I just it, it had that feel. I just because if you look at what their needs are, they need everything, right? We we know they're not drafting a linebacker. So all these meet meet the Parsons people out there, they will like, not draft Micah Parsons. Absolutely right, they're not. not yeah. They're not. Parsons is not even on the radar. They're not going to draft a linebacker. We already know that. So they're most likely going to go edge rusher or offensive line, but maybe maybe they go corner receiver depending on who drops, but. They picked up another first-round pick. Here's what I don't, John, this is what I don't understand about Eagles fans, right? We all admit, and I'm not just saying we, but Eagles Nation admits that this year is kind of like a rebuilding year. We already knew what this was going to be. So why are we so upset knowing that they're getting another first-round pick for the following year and they're stacking up knowing that they're not going to be very good this year? What is the pro? I don't understand what the big issue is because the names I keep hearing, Jalen Waddle, you've heard it, right? You, you, you've heard that name over and over again, right? J.C. Horn, you hear that name. These are guys that can still get a 12. So, to me, it's a win-win. I don't know why everybody's upset, in my opinion. I think I'm, I'm not upset. I just wish for the first time in the Eagles organization ever in the history of that organization, they just would have gone simple. Like, just stay at six, get that top guy that you know for sure. Because they know. I mean, number six is like the golden spot now. 
that I'm calling it because that is right after the top five picks where about four of them are all going to be quarterbacks. And so now you would have gotten probably the best overall talent or at least the second best overall talent at number six, which which is a great spot. I feel like, first of all, they could have just waited. If they wanted to move back, just wait to see what you have at number six. And if you don't like anything, if you don't get the quarterback you want, which if Zach Wilson somehow did fall, then go ahead. Great. You're there at that spot. Or if you got a, a guy that fell to you that you really liked and do it, or if all the options that you wanted there are gone, then just go to number 12 then. Like, I don't know why it had to be done March 26th and not at the end of April. Like, it, it's well, just yeah, it's so what. odd to do it I- now. Well, I'm actually happy they did it now. And I'll give you a little different spin on that. And that's because I know everybody's saying they cannot stand Howie Rosen, right? We don't trust him. We don't, I don't trust, trust his picks, right? I don't trust I his picks. <laughs> right. I, I don't disagree. But maybe, just maybe, and this is just this is jigsaw logic here, okay? <laughs> but maybe you make this deal a month in advance so you can actually reach out to people that know and say, okay, we have a month to prepare for number 12. So we're not going into number six, and all of a sudden I have to put all my cards into Howie and his big board. Now I have a month to say, you know what, I'm not waiting for that night. These are the guys I want to target. This is where I'm drafted. We know they're going to be there. Give me one A, one B, and one C. So maybe, you know, as a blessing in disguise, the only positive I can take out of this. But you mentioned Zach Wilson. How about that, John? Nobody's even talking about that. A guy, is it, they wanted to move up? To try to get a quarterback? Like, that's what it blows my mind in this entire thing here. Like, I, I, nobody's even talking enough about that, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it's funny because that's the part that didn't surprise me. I figured they would try and go after. I figured they would fall in love with one of Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, and it ended up they, of course, fell in love with Zach Wilson and they wanted to try and move up. But I think that's why they wanted to, to move back as well. Like, it's it's not that, you know, to, to stockpile picks. I mean, that's one. That's why you move back. But I think it's two parts to it. And you're absolutely right on why they move back to 12, to stockpile picks. Now, I, I that method of doing things sometimes doesn't sit right with me, and in this one it didn't. But yes, that's exactly why you would move back. But I also think the second part of it is they tried to move up and get Zach Wilson and realized Every other team in the NFL is trying to move up and get Zach Wilson. And they said, whoa, we're going to back off here. You guys have fun with that. We're going to go about six spots back and enjoy whatever the heck you guys are going to do. Trade away all your picks. We'll get a couple more, and we'll just sit it out and wait till next year. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, listen, I mean, let me ask you, because I am by far – the college guru here. I, I, I don't follow college religiously. I listen to guys like you and Tandy talk about it because you guys know. So would you be upset if they drafted Jalen Waddle at 12? If that's the receiver they got, would you be upset by them getting Waddle at 12 and, and picking up that extra first round? Pick? No, and I would have to look at the mock more because Jalen Waddle at 12 just seems nuts to me because that guy to me is a not only a top 10 pick, I think he's and people are going to maybe crush me, but I also see a lot of uh, college people that do follow it uh, that know this. Jalen Waddle is just better than Devontae Smith. The injury thing, the injury thing, sure, that that's that's out there. Devontae Smith played the whole season. Jalen Waddle did not. 
But Devontae Smith has nowhere near a Heisman Trophy season, and Jalen Waddle most likely does because he is—he's the better. He was the projected number one wide receiver at Alabama. He was a projected higher pick. Devontae Smith had a great season, but Jalen Waddle, in terms of talent overall, I think is better. And so, yes, at number twelve, I would not—I would not be mad about that. That would be a great pick because I think it would be a steal. Now, I, do, do I think he's going to go number twelve? I have no idea because a, a talent like that it just seems odd to drop out of the top ten. But it is the NFL, so anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's it's all the quarterbacks, right? It's all these quarterbacks yes, line yeah. up, right? Because it's so quarterback driven. I mean, look, listen. The latest the latest mock with CBS, you got the top four all quarterbacks. Right, and then and then you go offensive line. Then you got they have Pitts going to Miami. Then Jabbar Chase at seven, Sewell at the old offensive line at eight. Then Mac Jones, another quarterback, and Sertain at ten, Parsons at eleven, and here comes the Eagles at with Waddle at twelve. Now we don't know if that's going to play out, but my thing is if they can get a superior talent, which I really think that they will. I, I think this draft is pretty deep in the first round because it's so quarterback driven in, in the top ten that they're going to get a superior talent with, uh, along with getting an extra first-round pick from Miami, who's not going to be very good. We're not going to be very good. So, essentially, you're setting yourself up, and, John, I don't know if you know this or anybody knows this, but you're setting yourself up to say, okay, if Jalen Hurts is not that guy, then we have two first-round picks next year in order to try to move up to get a quarterback if there's one available on the radar. So I think they may be looking at that as well. So we're talking with Tony Jigsaw Catillo. Follow him at T Catillo23 at Heat Ratio Sports, where you can find all of his stuff as well. And um, Jalen Hurts, now now that you mentioned his name, also is a part of this because I the Eagles say they're committed and want to build around Hurts and all of this stuff, but I feel like they're as committed to Jalen Hurts as I am that Tinder profile I matched with like a couple of days ago. Like there's no commitment. Like there really isn't. How do you is is that how you feel, or do you feel there is some level of commitment the Eagles have to Hurts? No, I, I, I'm confused. I'm completely confused, just like everybody else. You just had the owner come out three weeks ago and say that he doesn't want any competition, and then we go out two days ago and we signed Joe Flacco to three point five million dollars guarantee with four million dollars in incentives, and basically told the guy it's his job to lose, with, you know, or, or compete for between him and Hurts which convolutes the entire situation. And then today, you're saying that you're going to try to move up to get Zach Wilson, and then you trade out of the top ten altogether. So I have no idea what the hell is going on. And I don't think they know. I was just about to ask that, too. I was going to follow up with that. Do you think the Eagles have even made a decision yet? I feel like they stockpiled those draft picks just to keep the option open of, well, if Jalen Hurts does well, well, now we have three first-round draft picks. Or if Jalen Hurts doesn't do well, now we can just trade up. But I feel like that indecisiveness is eventually going to to hurt them in a way. It really is. I mean, this this was – you know, we talked about this before when we we talked about the Philadelphia 76ers last offseason saying – it was a historic all season for them, and it was, and they did some historic things. This, to me, was the same kind of his, historic off season for the Philadelphia Eagles because you traded away the guy who you told everybody was going to be the franchise quarterback. You're eating tons of money, and you're at that time where you don't have any talent under the age of 25 on this roster, and you've got to completely rebuild going forward. So this was, this is your time right now to set yourself apart from everybody else. And right now, it just looks like they're not ready to do that. And I, you know, they better they better get their act together real soon because if not, 
this is going to be a long couple years, man. You know what's funny? The uh, Twitter algorithm that like comes up with because there's always things that are trending, and sometimes under the trending yep. topic, they'll give out the description of why it's trending. And this one's hilarious because one of them is Howie, and then the descriptions are a little weird because I don't know if anybody's really upset about this. Like Eagles fans are furious at general manager Howie Roseman after it's reported that the team backed out of a trade for the number three draft pick later secured by the 49ers. Are we upset that they didn't move up? Yeah, I, I, I I, I'm not. Like I didn't think anybody was. I'm not. I'm not either. <laughs> I didn't want them to move up. I don't want to go through this again. Like we just went through. Like I don't. How many times are we going to go through this? Right. I mean, that's that. That is the the odd thing to me. Right. The the odd thing is that maybe, but hypothetically, maybe they thought this all along. Maybe that's why they brought in Flacco. Maybe they thought. They were going to trade off the number three and get Zach Wilson, and they were going to bring in Flacco to actually play for the first half of the year. And maybe they weren't investing on Jalen Hurts. I have no idea what to think right now. I think I'm as confused as everybody else. I think Howie Roseman has confused himself. Do you think? Do you think that happened? All right, Howie's well, not that know, he, that though. He does. You know, he is confused about his pepperoni pizza choices and his, his ice cream flavors, and you know, he, <laughs> you know what I mean. And, his, his GM factory that he has, his quarterback. So a lot of confusion on Howie Rose. Well, does this seem like another, and, and why, because I think fans, if this happened again in any normal draft in any normal team, it is normal to move back and stockpile draft picks. It's not, right. again, I'm I'm not a fan too much of the method, again, especially where the Eagles were, because I'd rather have that one pick instead of another pick in the in the 20s in the first round next season. Like, I just, I'd rather get that top five, top six assured pick. But I get why teams do it. But I feel that because it's the Eagles and because it's Howie Roseman and because the Eagles have never done the simple thing ever in their franchise history, I, I think that's where a lot of this this visceral reaction comes from. Uh, well, it does. And I think the other part of this, the scary thing, is the talent evaluation part. And, and I, I say that because this to me, listen, we know at number six, like you said, you're going to get a generational talent. We already know that. It, it's a slam dunk. But this scares me in the fact that maybe Howie, again, feels he already has that on this team. In Jalen Rager, in J.J., in Dallas Goddard, right? You know, in Travis Fogel. He's saying to himself, you know what? We're good. We have these guys. We don't, we don't need to draft a generational talent at six. We're, we're gonna, so that's the other scary part of this, for him thinking and overvaluing these players already on this roster that obviously weren't good enough up to this point. What makes you think they're going to be good enough going forward? So that's another thing that scares me as well. Yeah, the, the one thought that was really funny to me, and credit to Kevin Kincaid for having to post a video about this to like clear it up for people, but... Like the Eagles don't go into a trade decision and like ask for all these draft picks and then sit back and think, wait, we're not good at that. Oh, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. We should just stay at six instead of getting more draft picks. Like that is not the reasoning that ever a GM is not going to make this a decision because they're going to self evaluate them as dumb. So that that's that's just really weird that people think that. But it does have you worried though that number twelve, he's gonna get really cute there. Because there's a potential that he could. I mean, he's done it before. Listen, listen, don't. And again, I, I, I'm telling you, don't be shocked if oh, no. he moves back again. Oh, man. Don't be. Well, well because. I, we, I get we why. No, I get the, why, yeah. 
right? You know, you don't know how – because, again, he thinks he's, he's Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick of the Patriots, how they do it every year. Unfortunately, the difference is the, the, the Patriots draft guys that could actually play, as opposed to last year that was a terrible draft. But normally the Patriots, it always works out. So Howie has to understand he's not the gold standard anymore. But I could definitely see them possibly moving him back again. I mean, if they have a target in their mind, a position of need, and the, 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 you know, the option arises when they go from 12 to maybe 15, I wouldn't be shocked if they did that again. I feel like you'll relate to this one because this obviously involves uh, fantasy football, but like, I feel like Howie Roseman, after he won the Super Bowl, became one of the guys in your league that win a fantasy football championship that you're not really sure how, but then all of a sudden tries to tell you who to draft and like, oh, I don't know if I like that player this year. It's like, buddy, you had no idea about any of this. You got, you got lucky. Like, that's what I feel yeah. like Howie is. Yes, I. You know it's funny. I have. I'm not going to call him out. On call him out. No, you're nah, jigsaw. Nah, you call him buddy, out. Man. He's my man. I was just going to say his name is Chris. Okay. So my buddy Chris, we've been running the same league for 20 years, right? And he has lost 19 out of 20 years. The one year he won the title, and and this John, this goes back. Carson Palmer was the quarterback. Oh Joey man, Galloway, the golden Joe, days. Sean Alexander, right? He had. A one-year roster of everybody who had career years. And the following year, he went to tell everybody how to draft. Oh, let's, let's just look at my team. And he never won again. So, yes, I could absolutely see how he rose to be that guy. Yeah, he definitely is. We're talking with Tony Cotillo at tcotillo 23. You can follow him on Twitter at Heat Racio Sports. But I will ask you about Joe Flacco because uh, you said you did like the signing. I, yes. You know, I did as well. I, I love the signing. There's nothing wrong with it. But uh, Joe Flacco coming back home, a great thing, right? Yeah, I liked it. I, I liked it because, listen, he, he's, a, he's a veteran leader. He, you know, listen, say what you want about him. Everybody, I know the first thing everybody started tweeting out was he's not a good teacher. He's not a good teammate. He's not this. He's not that. Listen, at the end of the day, I've said this before, I'll say it again. No matter what you think about Jalen Hurts as a quarterback physically, mentally, he's one of the strongest individuals that we know and can face adversity. So that I'm not worried about. The thing I do like is he comes with a championship pedigree. He, he played with a guy named Lamar Jackson who was a mobile quarterback, which is exactly what you have in Jalen Hurts. And Joe Flacco's still hungry. I had no problem having competition. I have no problem because I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be like Carson Wentz and not be able to feed off of it and be scared about it and hide from it, which I think is very good. And you know what? Listen, running quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, they do get hurt. Things happen. So at least when I don't have to look and see Josh McCown coming into the game, right? I, Nate Sudfeld coming into the game. I'd much rather have Joe Flacco come in, and he didn't look horrible when he played for the Jets last year. You want to know my hot take? Go ahead. In four games that he started, he was better than Jalen Hurts in his four games. Uh, you, you know what? <laughs> Listen, John, but, but you know what? Here's the thing. People probably don't even realize that because they didn't even look at the stats. I know. He's, he was he actually right? solid last year. <laughs> he was. He, he did not play bad at all, and he still threw a good deep ball. I know from fantasy, they were two of the best weeks that James Crowder had was playing with Joe Flacco. So, you know, he still has it in him. So 
I like the signing. It, it, it does nothing but help us, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it does. Uh, we're talking with Tony Cotillo, IT Cotillo 23. Of course, the Eagles making that trade today. Uh, well, it's funny how I, how you explain it, and it just sounds like the NFL is just nuts. It's stupid. Because the Miami Dolphins traded number three to go to number 12, which San Francisco had the number 12. They wanted to go to number three, and then Miami took the number 12, traded the Eagles for number six. So the Eagles can go to number 12 and get more draft picks. And it's just like, all right, guys, what are we doing here? Like, why are we doing all this? Uh, but it I want to move on crazy. to a to a sport, a simpler sport, I guess. Even though baseball is not simple, uh, the Phillies though they did make some some moves to their roster. I think the one that I don't know about surprising, but obviously the name that we're going to keep an eye on the most because I think the back end of the rotation is not very good is Spencer Howard, um, and and the back end of the rotation with Chase Anderson and Matt Moore, I think is really really concerning for this team. When do we see, or or I guess it's going to happen, but when do we see Spencer Howard in the opening day roster, or in the, excuse me, uh, major league roster, and probably at some point in the back end of that rotation? Yeah, you know, the back end with Anderson Moore, I, you know, listen, it doesn't blow you away, but what I can say is at least you have veteran arms, which is a lot, a little different than having a guy like Pavetta back there, right? So it, you allow Howard to learn a little more and kind of get – more command on his fastball and, and, and more discipline to paint the black on the corner. So I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I do think that Matt Moore will actually be more serviceable uh, than uh, Chase Anderson. I, I'm not really sold on him. I think that he's just kind of like, you know, a placeholder until Howard is ready. So for me personally, I think this is like a June move. I think this is kind of like halfway season, you know, after Memorial Day, you, you, you throw him at the number five spot, you get him, you know, you get him comfortable, get him used to it. He gets that nice break. You know, you let him pitch for a month, gets the all-star break where he can work on film and look at, you know, his mechanics, see what worked, what did it. And then you have him for the stretch run. So I think Spencer Howard could secretly be a very important part uh, of this back end of the rotation because you, just like you said, John, it doesn't blow you away. No, it does not. Uh, and it actually still, just because it's not the name Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez doesn't mean they got anything better than Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez. Uh, Chase Anderson had a 7.22 ERA last season. So, like, exactly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really expecting That's anything from him. I'm more sold on Moore than I am on Anderson because I think Moore coming off an injury could, could reinvent himself a little bit, but... I am not Solon Anderson whatsoever. So I, I got to hear this just to make sure um, I know exactly and I'm clear on where you think the Phillies are. What do you <laughs> think the Phillies are this season, or where do you think they end up? I still say the Phillies win the National League East. Oh, and I, Tony. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, the, 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 the Phillies win the National League East, and that I, you know, I say it again. I want to continue to say it. Uh, Eighty-seven. 88 wins with a couple good games. They hit 90. That's my prediction. Have you seen the Braves roster? Yeah, it's really good. It it's is. like real. It's 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 almost it's flawless. It's like I'm flawless. I'm in I'm in love with it. It's 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 great. So so I take the Phillies lineup over the Braves lineup. What? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Okay. So so give me. Give me, give, tell me why I'm not. Because tell me after Okuna, 
and tell me Andrew Freeman why I'm crazy. Because Marcelo Zuna was really good last year, too. Ozzie Albies is due for some positive regression. And heck, even Ronald Acuna Jr., who had one of his best seasons in terms of OPS, could have even done better because his BABIP was lower than average, and he was unlucky last year. Like, he can get so much better. It's just, oh, their lineup's so good. Good, so good. Not saying the Phillies so isn't. Too, though, John. Yeah, it, no, it is, and, and so that's a, that's that's the point. I think of when I when I talk about the Braves and the Phillies, it's just that like everything the Phillies are and that that are good, the Braves are mar- either marginally better or a lot better than their starting rotation. I think is much better than the Phillies. The, the lineup for the Phillies, and trust me, I I'm praising that lineup. They were top five, top seven last year. But the thing is, the Braves were number one. The Braves were better than the Dodgers, not in terms of total runs, but in terms of a lot of metrics, and they were second in total runs. But they were the number one team, I think, offensively in all of baseball. And that's it's just that the Phillies in some areas are so close, but they're just not there. But then I look at something like even the bullpen for the Braves is better, and the rotation for the Braves was horrible last season, and they're going to do nothing but get better. And I think they could end up being a top 10, 15 rotation. See, here's my thing. This is what I'm basing this all on. Number one, I think we go 7-8 deep in our lineup. They do. Phillies have a great lineup. I can't argue with that. They have a tremendous lineup. They really do. And you got to give them at least a plus five in the sense of all the games they lost last year with that horrific bullpen. So my point is, even with no back end of the rotation, even with a terrible bullpen, even with a, a, a offense that at sometimes was very inconsistent, they were just out of a playoff match. They were out of a playoff spot, just out of it. So they come back with the same team essentially, in the lineup, it's stronger. I still think this is Bryce Harper's MVP year. I think Alec Bohm is an absolute stud. Okay, he's going to show it. Romuto is an absolute stud. And then you add a couple bangers in the bullpen that can get you that seventh and eighth inning roll, and you get plus five. And now you're a playoff team. So my thing is, I get it. I know what you're saying with the Braves. I, absolutely, the rotation to me, top to bottom, is better. But I think the Phillies lineup is better. And I think that that offense, that offense is not going to catch up with the Braves like it did last year, in my opinion. I think the Phillies can back their way, just like they did in 2007 and eight on the way to the playoffs. That's just my thing. I envy you, Jigsaw. Like, I want to be this excited about the Phillies. I really I'm do. <laughs> I really well, the thing, I'm, I'm ex- about them. Yeah, their, their lineup excites me. And, and that's I I'm so glad they signed everybody back. I think they're going to be... I mean, it's going to be fireworks every night. And I don't think it's going to be as frustrating in terms of bullpen last season. But... I just I look at the Braves at this this big daunting obstacle to get over, and I just I don't know if they're there yet. And maybe they make some kind of move, and that's the that's the thing as well. Just I think the Phillies got marginally better, but I I feel like they needed to make a big splash or two. And the re-signings were good, and to get Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado, I wanna I wanna pump the brakes on before I get too overboard, yeah. or we get too overboard about him. I get that. Because he's that. still, but I, it's it's still good that they added him and they have live arms in the bullpen. But I still feel like they needed to make that one big move and they just didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I was I was hoping for something like that as well. But in my opinion, it was okay. We re-signed JT. Uh, we we moved Gene Segura back to his original position, and now we have a kid out bone that can actually be that whether he hits fifth or sixth, depending on where he hits in the lineup, is an absolute stud. 
So, and, and again, I talked about it too. I, I, I still think Nola and Wheeler are just as good as the one and two for the Braves. You know, Max Fried, I know, was injured last year, but I still think they can hold their own with that one and two. And I think Eflin is an X factor. And, and, you know, I, I, I know he had his back player up. Hopefully he's not the When he's but, healthy, he's great. I, I do yeah, know that. When, when he's, he's healthy, he's great. When he's healthy, he, his ERA has dropped at least a quarter of a point every single year over the last five. He's getting better. If he can get his control down, his velocity, his control, he very well could win 13 to 14 games this year. So we're talking with Tony Jigsaw Cotillo. Last question for him, at Cotillo 23 You can find him uh, on Twitter and also uh, at Heat Ratio Sports, which he is uh, uh, at the helm of and has a great uh, group of talent over there. And uh, I say that knowing my nephew is now there. So uh, <laughs> yeah, proud, proud, proud uncle. He's going to talk baseball, diamond talk. It's, you know, I, I can't talk about it too much or else I end up shedding a tear or two um, <laughs> out of just sheer joy. But... I, I want to go over fantasy baseball with you real quick because I was talking with somebody yesterday and we were going over fantasy baseball and he is just throwing away the entire 2020 season. And at at points, I want to do that as well. What are you doing as you're getting ready f- for drafts and even the start of DFS and you know the first couple days and first couple games of putting guys in? What are we doing with that 2020 season? Because it is really difficult to evaluate. It really is. It is. I mean, you're talking 50, 60 games that I've been back and forth on this. And I sound like my own hypocrite, okay, because I said the same thing. I'm throwing it all out, throwing it all out. But then when I look at guys like Corey Seager and I say, okay, let let me start breaking Corey Seager down. And I say, this guy had 15 home runs in only 54 games, but he had 17 home runs in 134 games. The 15 for 54 sounds a lot better than 13 for, for 134. I mean, 17 for 134. So, you know, I think you have to pump the brakes a little bit, but I think you also have to go a little deeper into the analytics of the game. You have to look more at the whip. You know, you, you really have to look at that whip mark. And, and you know if a pitcher's going to give you a, under one, he's elite. He's absolutely elite. You can't change that. But I think the slumps and the inconsistencies, you got guys like are going to be like last, uh, you know, late filler picks like Ryan Zimmerman who opted out last year and he's going to play again this year for Washington. So, I mean, you have to look at those ends of the spectrum. But for the most part, I would say percentage-wise, 70% of everything that happened last year, I've been throwing out the window. Yeah, have to because it just seemed like so many extremes. And, it, and the biggest example of it is Christian Yelich. Like, that was, that yeah. was an extreme. This guy was an MVP. And, like, MVP for a few seasons. And at that kind of level, and then all of a sudden was a 200 hitter and stunk. Tri- triple crown level. Right, crown. exactly. Yes, level. yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this guy can't hit a baseball. And I think if that, that season went on 102 games more, he would have balanced it out, finished with 260, 270, and it would have been fine. But instead, those 60 games, he stunk it up. And I, I just don't think it's a really good assessment of the type of hitter that he is. But I think during about this 26 to uh, 30 minutes week, we got a good assessment of how good you are, Tony Jigsaw Cotillo, at Cotillo 23 Again, where can people find, uh, find you? I know heat ratio sports, but anything else? Yeah, man, listen, Heat Ratio Sports, that's the main thing. And, again, starting something new about three weeks ago. Pretty cool. It's exciting. Every Sunday morning, I, you know, I call it the weekly sports blend. It's uh, a look back at a year every single week. Last two weeks ago was 1996. Last week was 1993. And this, year, this weekend on Sunday is going to be year 2000. So what we do is we just go through the entire year 
the ups, the downs, the, the, the peaks, the valleys. It's just a, a nice break from the normal sports to take a look back at history. So Yeah, I took a look back uh, because, you know, the Doc Rivers, he called the called them clowns, and that started to become a meme. Yeah. It reminded me of, like, the 2016 thing. Do you remember that with all the crazy clowns that, like, and Twitter was just going nuts over? Um, it's one of the freakiest things I've ever seen in my life, uh, 2016. I, I do because it, it, it's, again, one of my daughter's biggest fears. So, you know, <laughs> oh, it, it is. So no, it was mine too, man. 2016 uh, scarred me for life. She doesn't like to nickname Jigsaw. So you know, every now and then I, I text her a picture of a clown. She's not too happy. So. <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> At T. Cotillo 23, you can check him out. That is Tony Jigsaw Cotillo.